This one I think is for you, Bryant. Uh oh. Where do you even get your protein, bro? <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Bing Slouches. Uh, we hired a new drummer for this. <laughs> I was a little late on the old cymbal thing or whatever they're called. All right. So today we're going to talk. Uh, we're actually just going to answer some uh, questions we've gotten from uh, listeners and our athletes and uh, cover those. So you never yeah, know what you're going to get. It'll be a mixed bag today. It's going to be a total mixed bag. But kind of the stuff that, I mean, I guess we could dive real deep into each one, but we're going to just kind of touch. Yeah, we'll try not, not to as not to. as long of a topic yeah. as what was as what it would be otherwise. If you if you want to ask a question live, mm. you can go to the main go to the main BPC Facebook, Facebook. page and ask yep. there in the live feed. Uh, yeah, build peak compete, and um, because that's the one we're monitoring, we kind of simulcast in so, several places. So um, if you go there, we'll actually see it. If not, we'll get to it later. Or you can uh, you can always submit questions that we'll answer on uh, on the live show at couch at buildpeakcompete.com. If you spell it wrong and go coach, it'll still get to us. <laughs> <laughs> I put the fail safe. Couch, couch or coach. Yeah. Stick with couch. So I am Coach Dale Sanford. And I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. Every BPC coach is trained in our five pillars coaching system that has been developed over the last decade through our work with athletes of all ages and ability levels from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete.com. Or all upon that Instagram, no filter added, at BPC Performance. Hashtag BPC Performance. Hashtag. Hashtag no filter added. Hashtag uh, no filter added. So Actually, come, we do use filters, so don't want to see that. Oh, it's a, yeah, don't want to lie. Don't want to be lying. Your... Cool. All right. So uh, a couple of cool little stats. Been looking up stats on the the, uh, the show, the podcast here. So... Uh, We've actually been listened to in over 50 countries. 50 countries. Yeah. 50 Number five. Countries. I think, well, say the top well, three. Top three, obviously, are U.S., the U.K., and Australia. Uh-huh. Um, number five is the Democratic Republic of Congo. Because uh, mainly because of our, uh, our girl Meg Densmore out there. Shout out Meg. Uh, we've been coaching her for on and off for a couple of years now. And uh, she's about to do the uh, Kingali Half marathon, super hilly. Like, <laughs> wow. you basically climb up and over a mountain. Where is the Kingali? Is it in the Republic of the Congo? Uh, that's a good question. It's somewhere around there. Somewhere around there? Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to turn this on. So, um, the top city outside of Memphis is Cleveland. So, shout out to Cleveland. Shout out to Cleveland. There's a whole episode on Cleveland. Maybe uh -huh. that's it. Uh-huh. Could be it. Uh, and then top episodes uh, all time, the, the Lauren Paquette episode. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Lauren. She just uh, had a great race. Yeah. Uh, was it last week? Yeah. Two weeks ago? She ran off, what, 413 mile? Yeah. Solid. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I love seeing it. Uh, Early shout out to Lauren. The, the episode with Brian and Sean, which kind of, mm -hmm. the, the, the race directors of Walking Tall 50K, and then third is the training age episode, which kind of catapulted pretty quickly uh, to the top three. Yeah, for sure. Because so, this is all time. So um, so those are the stats. Now that you uh, have those in your memory bank, <laughs> let's get to it. Shout outs. We, we wanted to make sure people were actually listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we wanted to give you time to get on the, the live feed here. Uh, shout outs. I'll let you lead it off. Since shout outs. Dirty Kanza. I mean, Bang. that's been filling up the Facebook uh, news feed for yeah, me. Yeah, uh, people that went out to that event. Gravel's becoming a huge thing. Um, and we had three athletes go out there for the 200-mile uh, version. So there's yep. multiple distances. 
Um, I heard next year they're going even. There's another there was bigger an XL option, this I year. Was they it this year? XL this year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so 200, there's a 150, but we had three guys go and do the one, uh, 200, uh, Hart Robinson ended up second in the single speed and 49th overall. Second overall in the single speed. Exactly. Yeah. One gear, 200 miles of one gravel. Gear, and still went top 50 in the overall. He actually yeah. made it, uh, on to cycling news because cycling news always has the article and then usually does top 50 or yeah. so. So he actually dipped into the, uh, to the top. Or to, you made it into cycling news, yeah, which was cool. All on a, all on one gear. I mean, that's crazy. Um, and David Collins, top one hundred. Uh, he finished ninety sixth in uh, what thirteen seventeen. So a great great result there, um, and was getting stronger towards the end. So that's good to see. Um, and then our homie uh, Willis Porter ended up getting some uh, had some nutrition related gut rot issues, which is actually one of the things we'll we'll talk about today. Um, so he ended up having to abandon, but he still, he still got himself a good day in the saddle over 113 miles yeah. of fun. It's the, the big thing about ultra distance, man, is mm-hmm. there's always the unknowns. Yeah. Always unknowns. We got to give a shout out though to, to Lucas Charles. Exactly. For running stellar support yep. for all those guys, all the Los Locos team, um, he was, if, he was if there's there. interest, I know gravel is kind of the kind of the big thing, and even like on our, our team page and stuff, people have been already getting excited about next year's. Who've never done it before. Yep. Um, it seems like a lot of eyes are looking at, at gravel right now. So you know, maybe if, if anyone's interested, let us know. But maybe we get get those guys in and just talk about the event, talk about you know, yeah. how, how it was, the experience, the environment. Um, we can even get more technical with it, but if there's interest in that, let us know. So, uh, I got another, another bunch of them here. Michael Wart out into the grand Tetons, Woo! 5k and the half marathon two days in a row. It's flat out there, right? It's pretty flat. Mm-hmm. Pausing that <laughs> literally the second half of the half marathon is up the mountain, like 6.5 miles straight uphill. Woo. Uh, he was first age group on the 5k and six age group in the half marathon. a boy. Thunder in the Forest Triathlon was this weekend. Uh, we got to give a shout out to uh, Kellen Maxwell for uh, Kellen Hop Cycling guy. He, yeah, he uh, he ran me down, ran, ran me down, and took the win. Um, Philip Young third overall. Michelle Weir was fifth female in the duathlon. Uh, Cliff Abellas, John Zinn, uh both had big PRs. Bobby Weekly was sixth overall. Greg Rohde, top 15, second age group. Um, and then Todd and Heather, Heather Perkins, both hot people. Uh, Todd was seventh, and Heather was fifth in the try. It's a lot of folks. It's a lot of folks. Yeah. And we can't forget uh, Chad Haga. Can't forget Chad Haga. If anyone was watching the Giro, I'm sure all eyes were glued to it. Yeah. Giro d'Italia, yeah. the Tour of Italy. Final stage, Chad Haga, U.S. guy. Sets a blistering time in the TT, yep. besting the guy who's the current world uh, record holder in the in the one hour challenge. Yep. So he's the one hour record holder. Uh, beats him by four seconds, and uh, then holds on the rest of the day when all the yeah. the rest of the favorites come in, taking his first win. That was, was a lot of time in the hot seat. A lot of time. <laughs> and what was so cool is like you could tell like the amount of emotion that. Oh yeah. I mean, he was breaking down into tears when he when he kind of knew at the very end that he had it, and so that was really He's cool to an see. He's an AM guy, right? Aggie, AM Aggie. Yeah, I yeah, that's right. Yeah, I believe so. Texas guy. Uh, William Hennessy, uh, one of Coach Chris's athletes, mm-hmm. third age group in the uh, Braves 5K in the ATL. Bam! So all over the place. Uh, so before we get to it, we got one good luck. Uh, Wayne Gorzlek and and Todd Perkins are headed out to Eagle Man. 70.3. So good luck, fellas. Grip and rip. And uh, Tony Gram- Gambrell as well should be racing this weekend. And uh, it's kind of a last minute thing. The weather's looking spotty, but yeah. good luck to him. Yep. And all of our all of our uh, friends and athletes going to Rockabilly Grand Prix. Exactly. If you're not signed up for Rockabilly, you need to get right out there. Now. All right. So on to the questions. That was quick. That was pretty quick. <laughs> hey, we love our athletes. Longer. We, love, we love giving shout outs to them. Yeah. So we're just gonna. These like are literally in no particular order. So well, we got one already. So let's just touch on that real right, quick. Go for one it. already on online, so we don't forget about it. Uh, our boy uh, Jay Z, Johnny Zinn. Oh yeah. Uh, how do you make this rain stop? Uh, there's this thing called a rain dance, and you literally just go outside in the pouring rain, 
and you pat your belly and uh, or pat your head and rub your belly at the same time and spin three circles and walk back in. It usually takes care of it. Yeah, it's fail proof. Yep. Cool. Moving on. All right. So question one, uh, we won't name any names so that nobody just whatever. We'll we'll protect the uh, innocent here. Yeah, some of these are ath- athletes, so <laughs> we like to keep confidentiality with our. Should I train using TSS? So should I train using training stress score? Yeah, for those not familiar, just really quick rundown. Uh, training peaks, which is what a lot of folks in the endurance world are using, yep. uh, of, uh, assigns a training stress based on how long and how hard you went relative to whatever like metrics you have set as uh, and zones you have set, essentially. So your threshold, if it's cycling, um, threshold pace, threshold heart rate, um, is typically what it's basing that off of. So it's assigning a training stress, and then it's then going through and uh, and telling you how hard you've been working over a day or a chunk of time. Yep. So like when when you accumulate training stress, you can see like a score for the day, for the week, and then you can like you know you can see how how much it's trended over time, mm-hmm. um, and then training stress score adds you know goes into your ctl your yeah. chronic training load and then your acute uh, training yeah, load atl and your tsb and all these other metrics mm-hmm. are all based off of your uh tss now yeah. before without diving like into all of that stuff and making this an entire podcast or a show um what i would say is only consider training on tss if you log absolutely everything you do like data wise um and you you constantly make sure that your thresholds are set correctly Mm -hmm. because without without all the data and your threshold being set correctly tss doesn't mean squat yeah so um those are the two the two big things if you're a data person you record everything go for it you know you're gonna have to i would definitely read up on CTL, ATL, TSB, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's not all about a one-day load. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, for some people, the TSS values, it, it, like, gets in their head. Like, you had a huge TSS day, and then they're like, well, I'm going to need recovery tomorrow. Well, y- you may You need may to not. use it as I mean, part of the overall goal and also yeah. how you're feeling. Because if, if your power, you know, in the example of a cyclist, if your power has increased... Right. You're going to start seeing TSS scores that are huge. Yep. Uh, if your power is set too high, you're going to find it really hard to hit training stress scores yeah. that would move the clock, so to speak. Yep. Um, I like to use it as a coach, kind of as a as this overview of okay, how much stress did that athlete put on themselves of the recorded data over the course of the week? You know, yep. was it a big one? Was it a smaller one? But even that can be a little deceiving because people handle intensity differently. Sure. So someone going out and knocking out a five-hour steady ride may be something that's right in their wheelhouse and they do great with, and, and it's, a say, a 250 TSS day, whereas someone else goes out and does half that, but a lot of sprints, which jacks up the, the TSS as well, mm-hmm. and they may be able, be able to handle that as uh, fine. But if you swap those workouts on those two people, they would both be demolished yep. kind of thing. So you got to know where that stress is coming from. Yep. And then we've talked about it before. The thing that's not logged is life stress Absolutely. and sleep and the other stuff, time you spend on your feet, um, any emotional stress you're going through. Like All that doesn't factor in uh, to a, a TSS score, yeah. but factors into the load on your body. It's not a perfect system by exactly. any means, but it's useful for tracking progress and, and seeing things over time. Uh, one thing, uh, Sean Hilsden uh, just chimed in on this. Uh, I don't use training peaks, but I'm guessing Strava suffer score is very similar. It's the same idea, yeah. Yeah, same principle. I think Strava, maybe not. I thought Strava also would give TSS. I know Garmin also, like if you upload to Garmin, like in your Garmin Connect account, they'll also show TSS. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, in your Garmin Connect account, your thresholds have to be set correctly mm-hmm. for it to give you a correct score. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, yeah, it's a similar. So this actually goes, this actually um, like segues pretty well into the next question, which, which is why are my numbers on the trainer so low? Yeah, exactly. So this, this can be a big problem, especially in the off season that we face uh, and a train for a trainer, those that aren't familiar with this, an indoor like cycling trainer, um, where you're set up on a stationary trainer indoors. What we have found is most athletes, we've had just two or three maybe that can push similar numbers outdoor versus indoors. So what you end up doing is having an athlete that's, you know, probably indoors Monday through Friday on their workouts, but then in the winter time where there's not much daylight and then outdoors on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and so the ability to push higher power means your zones are essentially different outdoors versus what they are indoors. Um, so if you're seeing lower numbers on the, on the trainer, you, you need to adjust your zones. If you're spending, we always tell our athletes, if you're spending most of your uh, structured training on the trainer, set your zones based on the values you're getting there. Don't set them on what you found was the highest you've ever done. Yeah. Based on an indoor FTP test. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so base it off indoor. Um, but then you need to essentially adjust, if you're going back and doing training stress, you need to adjust your training stress on your longer stuff because yeah. your longer stuff's going to look a lot harder than it actually was on you. Yeah. Um, but you are, you are not alone in that. Generally, we also see lower heart rate numbers indoors. So whether it's... Uh, power number or heart rate numbers typically and you know to throw just kind of a random you know maybe five percent it may be we've seen close to ten percent for some yeah I mean, um, so there's a range and it depends on the person i've seen i've seen as much as in a similar time of year uh seen as much as like a 30 watt swing mm-hmm. between an indoor similar effort to an outdoor effort mm-hmm. i mean it, it can be it can be big but yeah uh, yeah, you kind of have to adjust for it, if, especially if you're using TSS exactly. in your training. Yeah, otherwise, again, training stress, it can still be used. I mean, if you're doing similar rides, you can still use it as a yeah. like a benchmark kind of thing. Like, was this week harder than last week? But it, it's not so good in telling you how hard a specific day would be. Still got to listen to the body. All right, so the next question, uh, this is a really good one. I'm getting the worst saddle sores of my life. Ah. There's been blood, sweat, and a few tears. Ah. Help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gross. Uh, 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 let's start this by saying we are not medical professionals. No. I was going to roll that out here in a second, but... Okay, good. Yeah, not a medical professional, we, but... We do recommend lancing it. <clears throat> yeah, just jab it with something. <laughs> Preferably a, a lead pencil. Lead or, pencil. No, uh-huh. don't do that. Um, yeah, I mean, saddle sore is not uncommon, obviously in cycling, uh, and really like in triathlon, the, the deeper, um, the, or the smaller hip angles tend to lend themselves to more saddle sore issues. Um, first check is always how, like how old are your bibs? So if it's come on recently, if it's like, you've been fine forever on the spike and then all of a sudden you're getting saddle sores check your bibs to make sure they're not, or your shorts, whatever you're riding in, to make sure that they're not like old and worn out. So they're like staying in place. Or just ask the person who drafts behind you. Yeah. Whoever spends the most time behind you, ask them if your bibs... Can you see my seem, butt crack? See more now. Well, um, <laughs> if you can see my butt crack, <laughs> I need to get new... Time to change bibs. New bibs. Boost uh, up the chamois a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, you know, check the bibs first. Make sure you're using chamois butter. Uh, or some sort of that's a huge one so that's a key for me like if i don't use chamois butter so you have pressure point combined with friction right which generally can be a a, it's an issue a lead a lead in to the to the saddle sore issue so making sure that's lubed up and uh slick it tends to help yeah but if you've been like if you've been like chronically suffering from saddle sores Mm -hmm. my first thing is get a bike fit but if you're if you just refuse to pay for a bike fit, start to like well first check your your saddle tilt. Yeah. If the saddle, um, I always tell like you have to level the part of the saddle that you're going to sit on, not the entire saddle. You don't just level out a saddle. Find the the you know two three inch section that you're going to spend the most time on and level that. Yeah. Um, if that's leveled, 
You can even go down a hair, a millimeter or so, little by little. But if it's not going away and you've fixed the tilt, let's start to drop the saddle. Like probably nine out of 10 saddle uh, people who come in for a bike fit that have been suffering from saddle swords, seat's too high and usually grossly high. So, uh, you know, I would start to bring the saddle down by like three mils, four mils at a time. And you'll like, you'll kind of start it like after the first change, if it doesn't go away, um, you can start to make smaller increments. But, um, if you're getting saddle sores, like there's a good chance that the saddle's just way up in there. Mm. And so when you're, yeah, you're perched and now there's not as much weight is going to the feet at the bottom of the pedal stroke. Well, you're, and you're, you're taking it all. You're having to basically rock over the side of the saddle to finish mm. the bottom of the pedal stroke. And so you're rocking your, your pubic bones and your sit bones over the side of the saddle. And that's, what's causing the chafe. Like, um, and eventually it's going to rub a hole in you. So, so start bringing that saddle down. Um, it's not the kind of holy we want. We won't go into saddle sore care right now, but, uh, mm. if you're having issues, like that's the, that's how we can like solve them hopefully for good. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, people do Ironman, Ironman triathlons on little thin baby chamois. So yeah, if none of that works, I would recommend one of the issues I had early on was, uh, the, the type of saddle as well. Yeah. So just the sit bone contact, yep. like I wasn't able to get comfortable. So I found I was like sliding forward and shifting cause I was on too wide of a seat. Yep. So I was sliding forward and then kind of shifting to a side and that caused big issues. So pay attention to how you're sitting on the saddle as well. Yep. Some self-awareness here can go a long ways. So hopefully that, uh, that helps. All right. So what is a better strategy for hitting a shorter time trial course, power target or speed target? Short. Well, do we have a uh, distance just, on shorter? There's not. Let's just say 40K or below. 40K is so long. 40K is long? 40K is well, long not for the miserable. triathlete, yeah. Uh, let's say... So like this weekend coming up, we have Rockabilly, which is a five-miler. Yep. I consider that kind of on the shorter range. Yep. Five-mile TT. So the way I end up... I, I If you know what you can push for uh, what you think... Well, if you know what average speed you think you can hold, um, that's, that's something I... A metric I kind of go off of. Like I know... Over five miles, I should be able to hold this speed. And then I figure out what kind of time. So what kind of time is it going to be? Ballpark time. You can go back and look at your data and say, okay, now I know over 12 minutes or 10 minutes, here's the power I've, I've held in the past. Now you know you can hold that. Now the question is uh, for, that I have for a lot of people is, did you set that on a road bike and now you're trying to do it on a time trial bike, which could be two totally different things. Or in the case of uh, like this coming weekend, there's a road race prior to the time trial. So you're going to be carrying fatigue into the TT. So for me personally, I, I worry a lot less. I use the power meter as a almost like a, a, a limiter at the mm-hmm. start to make sure I'm not going out at 450, which I know I can't hold uh, for the 10 for minutes. Yeah. Um, I also have information from previous years on the times that I've done in the past and where my fitness is relative to that. So I, I also know what kind of average speed that I should be around. Um, but I, I use power to make sure I don't go too hard early after that. I sort of stop paying attention to it. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I ride it off feel and I look for times like if I'm above the average speed that I'm hoping to hold to get the time that I want, then I back it down a little bit. And on the harder sections of the course where that average speed's fallen, I push it more. Yeah. I would say like personally, like doing, doing a triathlon, anything Olympic or shorter, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, I think, and, and I think this goes for long course to some extent too, is use the power meter as a limiter and not as a, like to make sure you're not going too hard, mm-hmm. but not to like, uh, completely try to hold a steady power for however long. Like that's nearly impossible to hold steady power on a course that's not flat as a pancake. Mm-hmm. Um, and ill-advised, I would say. Yeah. I mean, most people don't, their body doesn't respond necessarily well to mm-hmm. that kind of just dead set power anyways. So I always, 
I always kind of pick a pick a speed that I know I can hold or should be able to hold for this course. Uh, and then it's usually like a two, two mile an hour above or below. If I start to fall below it, I push harder. If I, if I'm two miles or so above, I'm easing back and off, mm-hmm. uh, just keeping pressure on pressure on the pedals. So I would say the number one thing that people fail at when it comes to things like that is they, they go in with, here's the number oh, yeah. I have to hold. And then they go, eh, I'm pretty sure I can beat it. So they go out harder than that number. Yeah. Number two is they have that average speed that they really want to hit, but you can only race with what you sh- bring that day. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't know whether you may be getting sick or you may have had horrible sleep or there could be so many things. The course could be racing slower. It could be a headwind at the wrong spots. Absolutely. And there's so much that can go into that. Or you, maybe you didn't recalibrate your power meter or something's going off with that. Or, and so now you're totally under or overriding. If you, the biggest mistake people make is not listening to feedback from their body and, and paying attention to perceived effort. It, you you got to listen to yourself. And the goal is to get the most out of yourself on the day. Don't become so engrossed with what number am I hitting and instead push your body. I just, I like just thought of like probably four or five stories where just from our athletes who had like their best day when their power meter died right before the race. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, cause they, they just weren't mm-hmm. paying attention to it mm-hmm. and they just push what they could push. Exactly. Awesome. All right. So a uh, next question here, this is a hydration related question. Um, I did a preload the night before in the morning of a race and it was really hot, hottest day of the year so far and my hands and feet swell. Did I overdo it? Um, so a little background on this person. First off, preload. Yeah. What is a preload? So and then the background. Yeah. Preloading is not just fluids. Preloading is, is, uh, fluids with a high level, high concentration of sodium. So prior to your event, training day, yeah. whatever, consuming so we're fluids pre- with a higher with electrolytes. level of electrolytes. Um, this person did it the night before and the morning of. So that's a decent amount of, of sodium. Um, knowing this person, they have a high sweat sodium concentration. So that's why they're doing it mm-hmm. both the night before and the morning of. Most of the time. Meaning they're very salty. Yes. Salty They put sweat. out a lot of salt in their sweat. So... You know, for most people, you'd probably only preload in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, this person knew it was going to be hot. It was a over a ten mile run, and uh, is a, has a high salt sweat. So, uh, hands and feet swelled, and asking if they overdid it. So, what I you know what I would say is, uh, when you're dealing with like the hottest part of the like not being acclimated for one. That's a huge thing. And then all of a sudden it gets super hot. Mm-hmm. Your body does whatever it can to cool itself. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's kind of a priority, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, reaction. So, um, it wants to stay alive. Yeah. It, you want to stay alive. So cue the music. <laughs> stay alive. Stay alive. Uh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, think you, I think you nailed it. Yeah, I did. Um, so, like, your your blood vessels expand to allow more blood to get to the skin to to cool you, and so in doing so, our our friend gravity, uh, like or nemesis yeah. for a lot of us, yeah, yeah. gravity's the nemesis. Uh, you know, pulls a lot of that blood to the the appendages, mm-hmm. so hands and feet. Uh, so in an effort in, in a situation like that. I would bet it's more like heat edema to where their 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 blood vessels dilated and they're trying to get more blood to cool themselves. So gravity's just pooling blood in the in the hands and feet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in this case, the recommendation is to back off the preload the night before uh, and just see if that helps. I don't necessarily think that the the sodium was not a concern necessarily for this person because they probably output between their sweat rate and what they took in. They didn't really have a lot of opportunities to drink during the race. Exactly. So like over maybe a, an hour and a half to a two hour run in the heat. They didn't continue to, yeah, they weren't, they weren't chugging 
right. 64 ounces of fluids during the event. The, 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 the sodium that they took in between the two preloads was probably gone in an hour, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, my, my bet is that it was, it was more heat related. Mm-hmm. And again, not a doctor can't, uh, we need to have a, a disclaimer thing to put up over, but, um, that's my opinion, my professional opinion. All right. This one I think is for you, Bryant. Uh-oh. Where do you even get your protein, bro? <laughs> do you even lift, bro? Do you? <laughs> protein. Oh, so for those so that don't background, know. Background. Yeah. Flintson, uh, after one faithful steak cook-off. Uh, I did make it to the final round. Dude. <laughs> Of that uh, steak cook-off. Coach Beefun over here went vegan like the next day. <laughs> and that was like, what, five, six years ago? No, it was like 2011 or so. Oh, geez. 12, maybe? 11 so, or 12. That is, that is a true story. That is a very true Bryant story. Brian did a steak cook-off and the next week went vegan and never looked back. Uh-huh. Yeah, it turned into more of a science experiment. Yeah. And then a one-week thing turned into a science experiment, which has turned into a whole lifestyle yeah. change. Uh, funny fact... Protein is found in pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I eat a wide range of food, uh, lots of beans, lots of nuts. Uh, quinoa <laughs> is a go-to. Rice. Uh, I eat a big variety of stuff, but you'd be amazed. Next time you're at your, uh, your favorite shopping center, just flip the item over and get a little look-see at the, uh, the label there, and you'll probably be shocked to see that when you're eating... I'm really healthy, holding back healthy on, a, stuff, on a nut comment. Healthy stuff, <laughs> then uh, you, you'd be amazed. Uh, but if you're someone who's a super picky eater, uh, I it's going to be tougher for you. I mean, people like that, that that want to follow a plant-based diet are looking for their stuff in more of a, you know, like a meal replacement protein powder. Um, and there's a bunch of varieties of that out there. You've got your soy, you've got your, there's pea protein. There's There's a bunch of options for... For that, but yeah, I've done pea protein before. Mm-hmm. Delicious, it, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, tastes just like the real thing. Yeah, you gotta mix it in pretty good. It's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. But uh, side note, pea protein has a lot of iron in it, so which a lot of endurance athletes are, are lacking. At, at, are lacking, yeah, for yeah. sure. So there you go. But I've had no issues. I've lost weight and had my best performances after that. So that's why I stuck with it. There you go. Protein, bro. All right, this one's kind of a long-winded one, but it kind of goes along with... Well, we will match it with a long-winded answer. (laughs) I've been training myself for the last four years and have have seemed to hit a plateau. My work and family life are pretty predictable, but I'm limited to 8 to 10 hours a week of training. I'm getting frustrated because I'm not getting faster, and in some cases, losing speed in single sports... Assuming we're just assuming it's a triathlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, where should I concentrate my efforts to break through this blockade? So, uh, I would encourage just only doing group rides <laughs> and runs. Ride hard every day. Uh-huh. Um, In all seriousness. Yeah. So, it, without like actually diving into this, this is probably the really story the we get like behind like at least half of the people that contact us for coaching. Like mm-hmm. they've done it themselves for so long they're not really making the improvements they're hoping to get. So without knowing exactly what you've been doing, it's really hard to say where that needs to be concentrated on. But the process that we go through yeah. when we take on a new person is we look at what you've been doing and then we'll look at we'll find your limiters. And usually what you've been doing is what you're best at and what you yeah. like the most. Yeah. We like what we're the best at, yep. and that's usually what we gravitate towards. So, so find out what you've been doing the most. Yep. And we're going to repurpose Do less of that. <laughs> we're going to repurpose some of that time uh-huh. into what you've been doing the least, or um, you know, work some more quality in. Uh-huh. But really, realistically, what you're looking at is what are your limiters right now, and you have to be specific with these because that's going to determine the workouts you need to be doing. So it can't just be like my swim sucks. Yep. That's not. That's not, yeah, that's a limiter, but that's like a gross limiter. Mm-hmm. So like, what are your, what, what, are, what specifically about your swim sucks? Mm-hmm. Is your, your technique is horrible. You feel like you're drowning when you get in the water. Uh, you can only breathe, you know, 
you can only make it 25, you know, without having to hold the wall, whatever, you know, like that's the kind of thing you need to dive deeper into and say, okay, um, this is what I'm really poor at. And then, you know, like for, for running, um, you may be decent at like longer runs, probably because you've been running easy a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're struggling to gain speed on the run, uh, like how much are you running hard? How much are you running fast? And I'm not talking about just knocking out interval workouts all the time, but, um, if you're not doing any faster paced running, Mm -hmm. you are not going to get faster, Mm -hmm. especially if you're time limited. And usually what we see is people over running the easy stuff. Yep. So they aren't able to run fast on the hard stuff. Yep. Like usually that's kind of one of the first things we see. You need to go into those fast runs with slightly fresher legs than you would have otherwise. If you're always running the same pace. Yeah. You get locked into that pace. You get locked pretty in. Good. Yeah. You're pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, like going back to swimming, like for most people, adults who learn how to swim and get into triathlon, it's a lot of, it's technical. Like, mm-hmm. so you do need a little bit of, you know, this is kind of a, a misconception sometimes is that I need to go to a swim coach right away and get my technique looked at. Um, but you do need some sort of base fitness in the water to even improve in your technique. Because, um, if you can't physically hold new, like practice new movements for more than a 25, it's going to be real hard for you to get like better at that. So we need to have some sort of base fitness and be able to do like a a hundred or 200 straight so that you can, you can actually focus and do hard focus on technique. Um, if that's your limiter, Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of what I would say for a lot of triathletes, um, besides technique, just being poor in general, um, on swimming, on swimming, swimming? yeah, swimming, you're, you're probably not swimming enough. Um, you know, if you look at the breakdown between swim, bike, and run, you may be swimming three times a week, but you're really only swimming for like 30 minutes, three times a week, whereas you're probably getting in three hours of running and, you know, five hours of biking mm-hmm. or something like that. So the time, even though it's not a uh, a longer part of the most races, yeah, you are, this is still an A to B race. The swim still counts. Yeah, where, where can you make up the greatest amount of time? Right. If you're a horrible swimmer, it may not be the longest leg for most people, but it may be where you're hemorrhaging most of your time, where most yeah. of your gains are available. Yeah. So I would say running, generally people aren't doing enough fast running. Not, I'm not, not hard running necessarily. People run hard, but they're not running fast. They're not practicing fast Uh so look into that on the bike. I think we can both agree. Most people either don't really ride enough or they ride too hard all the time. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing nothing but group rides and like most of them are hard, you're probably just, you're not putting enough quality into one, any given day to like gain fitness or you're just already always crushed and it's affecting the other two sports. Yeah. And more specifically, it sounds like you're done with the triathlete side. Yeah, go yeah, go for it. For, so, for a road cyclist. So what what we always see this time of year is group rides start back up and the structured stuff has gone away from the the winter time when people were doing those solo, you know, trainer blocks. Um and so what you end up doing is you end up getting really good at the group ride that you're on. You know when the hard efforts are. Uh you know pretty much how long they're going to be. Um, but you have no control over really the duration of the hard effort. In most cases, it's someone else that's controlling that. Um, and what we see is a fall off in longer duration stuff. The ability to push harder for steady amounts of time um, and kind of focusing in on, on what are your limiters. Uh, and so that's kind of an area. It's always that balance of keeping someone motivated. We know group rides are fun and the social side of stuff. Um, but for a person like this, um, I would guess that they are either doing a lot of the same thing all the time, um, or they're just riding to their strengths. Or like you mentioned with the triathlete, they're probably riding too hard and then not hard enough because they're tired on what should be a hard day. 
Um, but big thing for if you're if you have eight to ten hours, uh, you should be able to in a single sport, especially get some good fitness. Uh, oh yeah, with just having you know one day on focus focused on your limiters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's hard to it's hard to really like give a great plan. Because that's, I mean, that's generally why people come to us for coaching is, uh, is the value, to make yeah. the plan mm-hmm. and to to f- figure out those limiters for them and mm-hmm. and then restructure everything mm-hmm. to tackle those. And I, I'll, one thing I'll put in there is, realistically, for a triathlete, um, especially those have who have been in the sport for several years and been training like consistently for several years, it is very hard to make improvements in all three sports throughout the year. Yeah, that is a like, good thing to add. Like it's it's hard to even see big gains. You know, when you first get into the sport, people tend to see like oh yeah, percentage jumps in the in the teens or better, you know, where you're getting 15% increase in power or dropping, you know, a minute off your run pace. Uh and then once you start getting more fit and everything starts getting more dialed in, you're kind of fighting for seconds rather than minutes. Yep. And that takes as much, probably more work than, than early. So don't be discouraged that you've only gone up five watts over the year before at the same time of year. I mean, that if you've been at it for a long time, five watts can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a big, big point. I mean, people have been, people we've been coaching for some of them four and five years straight, and they've been pretty much on it mm-hmm. straight and mm-hmm. um you know you get to the point where now we kind of have to like we have to put the time into into improving this one major thing that is their limiter mm-hmm. in the sport that they do and then we either have to try to make very minor improvements in the other two or just maintain their mm-hmm. fitness in the other two because the time that we have to put in they have real, they're, they're normal people, work, family, jobs. The time we have to put in uh, to get those improvements is going to have to take away from something else. Mm-hmm. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is also a great time to start thinking about where are you also losing? Like where else can you make it? Is it nutrition? Like yeah. something that doesn't take a part of that eight to 10 hours. Like can you improve your nutrition to get better? Transition. Your transition, uh, yeah, in the world of a, of a triathlete, is it your transition? Is it, you know, maybe this is the point in time where you start looking at equipment upgrades um, if you're really battling for seconds now. Um, so Are that we could be into something. marginal gains here? We're getting into marginal gains now. <laughs> All right, we, we sort of got off. Uh, All right, so there. next question. Fairly nutritional. We, th- we said we would talk about it. How do I prevent gut rot? Yeah, so gut rot is... Um, and what we've seen a lot, like just in the past couple weeks when this heat has gone up and we've talked about it with athletes before we've talked about it on like in seminars before what you can tolerate in the winter time when for most people intensity is not as high. So you're not operating at as high of a heart rate. Um, what you can handle then tends to change for a lot of folks, um, either through that acclimation process to the heat. Um, or it may change entirely during the summer. So your your heart rates are higher. Usually intensity is higher. Yep. Uh, your body's working harder. Your body has to stay cool. It's pushing. You already talked about it. It's pushing all this blood now to the surface. Anytime you're, you're pushing blood away from the stomach, digestion is going to slow. So it, you know, it could be that you your body's just not digesting what's in there so now you've got a bunch of stuff sloshing around in your gut uh we made the joke beforehand uh just just youtube mentos and diet coke (laughs) could be just kind of like that um but it could be that yeah you're eating stuff but you're not digesting it or it could be what you're eating is it's the cause of uh, slowing of digestion yeah. um, as well. Well, there's there's this you know, uh, it's it's no secret that I think we're more in the boat of separating fluids, mm-hmm. fluids and electrolytes in the bottle, mm-hmm. calories from from other sources. Um, and we're in that boat because well, because you can't like when you if you need more fluid and electrolyte, you can't if it's all in one bottle, you can't physically get that 
uh, need get more of that without also adding in uh, more carb- carbohydrates, yeah. proteins, whatever else is in your mix, your yeah, your exactly. drink. Exactly. Um, and for some people, it works great to have it all in one place. Um, but sometimes when you're really hot, intensity is high, heart rate increases, body's pumping a lot of blood through the body and not in the stomach, slows digestion or like, and so things like protein and even some like carbohydrate sources like maltodextrin and things that are labeled as like slow burning carbs, they digest slower. Mm-hmm. Like that's, so they'll sit and so you get this full feeling where you don't, now I don't want to drink or eat. That's like the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. So um, you've got to play with the sources of electrolyte and fluid and calories uh, in the heat at intensity, mm-hmm. at the intensity you want to race at. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just hard when the heat sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. you I mean, it's you didn't have time to test it and mm-hmm. st- stuff that's been working may not work anymore Mm -hmm. Uh, just kind of one of those things but um yeah don't be don't don't think that you know something's wrong with you like your body sometimes i've gone through phases as well with stuff that i actually like and tolerate like if you get on rides or in training events and you're like i don't want to consume what's in my bottle or the food that you've got with you switch it up like don't say it's always worked for me in the past. I it should be working now. Like change it up. Yeah, just t- like you know, uh, it becomes more of a thing in like ultra endurance. Like, exactly. Because eventually your your heart rate drifts up no matter what, whether it's hot or you know hot day or not. Like you get that cardiac drift, mm-hmm. heart rate increases, and then you know things start to shut down. So what what I would suggest is like have a plan to at some point go to more simple simple sugars as your carbs uh and just make sure that you're not going to have a run into a situation where your stomach's going to be so full of Mm -hmm. calories and fluid um and maybe not even getting the sodium that you need um and you're not going to want to eat and drink anymore we've got to get the calories and your body's not going to keep going Mm -hmm. uh and you eventually you know you hit a bonk or a and pay attention to yeah how much you are consuming like if, are you trying to put down 600 calories an yeah. hour because you know and it's easy to do like you with a power meter you can like essentially know what you're putting out yep. and so if you're trying to match that in some situations it's, it's impossible to match the calories you're burning and consume and process and digest those oh, calories yeah in a lot of in most situations <laughs> so you are going to run a deficit um, don't try to like eat all the way to, <laughs> to the output it's an eating contest, um, because that will, that will jack your, jack your gut up. But yeah. experimentation is huge. Um, so last major question we had, uh, was seeing peak heart rate numbers, but not peak anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's up? Yeah, that was one of my, uh, actually a couple of my athletes, uh, the past two weeks, again, yeah. the past two weeks, uh, it got, it went from it went from being really cold this winter yeah. for Memphis yeah. to mild-ish, I guess you'd say. But like by mild, we mean 50s, well, even 40s some mornings into the, we were getting to the low 70s kind of thing. Yeah. And then suddenly last two weekends ago, it's like 95, shot up. Yeah, and heat 95. index is ridiculous in Memphis for those who've never been to the Mid-South or the South. Uh, heat index the the temperature doesn't do justice to what the heat heat index uh, typically is so heart rate numbers sky high because your body and it goes back to what we just mentioned a couple times now your body's working so hard to try to keep you cool that you physically cannot produce power that power is being sucked from something else in order to keep you alive that there's going to be a trade-off. Well, your body, like you have to realize, your body has such a little tolerance for increases in internal core temperature. Oh, like yeah. our normal yeah, internal yeah. core temperature is 98.6 degrees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people... Take your, take your kid to the doctor at 100. <laughs> yeah, people are like keeling over at like a 104 fever, you know, or 105 fever. So like that's a, that's not a very big... Again, we are not doctors. No, no. <laughs> Anyways, higher, you know, 
it's a fever, like at least, you know, like a 103 is a pretty bad fever for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So when your body, when you're dealing with like the heat indexes and, and you're also in the humidity and it's, nothing's cooling, when your body senses even minor increases in core temperature, it freaks out mm -hmm. and starts sending, you know, the reinforcements to the skin to mm -hmm. cool, does every, everything it can to keep you cool. And so like so many incredibly weird things happen when you're not acclimated and then all of a sudden it gets hot. Yeah. And that's the big thing that should level out again as the body gets used to it. Yeah. And if you're ever someone who has like only trains indoors in the AC, yet you're going to do an event that's outdoors in the heat, that's going to be an issue. Poor idea. Even if you've been outdoors during the day, you're, you're still going to get shocked. So we encourage athletes that you need to, number one, be aware that there is a an acclimation time. This one hit like immediately. Usually we have an opportunity to tell our athletes uh, this came out of nowhere. Um, but it goes back to that TT we were talking about. Like if you're someone who wants to ride to a power number, but the heat suddenly hits and your heart rate's 15 beats per minute higher at the power level you usually sustain, you need to be paying attention to the heart rate and what your body's telling you. Because I guarantee you, your body's telling you at that point in time that this feels really crappy. Yeah. And if you're saying, nope, I got a power number I'm trying to hit, you're going to find out that the last two and a half miles of that five mile TT, you're going to be soft pedaling. Yeah. Every pedal stroke, every stride, every arm turnover that you make produces heat mm -hmm. in the body. And so when you're already at a risk of too high of an internal core temperature, your body is like, all these things that are producing heat, done. Shut them down. Shut them down. Yep. So it's, uh, to some extent, there's, the, your main thing should be staying cool. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's, if, it, if you're getting into a situation where the heat just came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, be, be slow in the process if you can. I mean, yeah. sometimes there's no way around it, but listen to the feedback uh, of the body um, and know that your sustained pace, your power, your average pace on the bike, like all that stuff's going to fall off while your body gets adapted to the heat. Any other questions from the, uh, people, people that are watching, does anyone have any, that's why I've been, I haven't been like checking messages or anything just so everyone knows. Uh, I've been it. waiting for, ah, I've been waiting for questions from you fine folks. So if you got questions, shoot them at us. Otherwise, is that all of them? That's all the ones we have here. Going once. Going twice. So. Nothing. All right. If you have any cool. other questions, you can submit them. We'll answer them next time. Uh, you can also submit questions to couch at buildpeakcompete.com. Couch. And we'll get those answered for you, you guys. You should have done couch potato. Whatever. We can change it. <laughs> I can have as many as I want. <laughs> All right, guys. Send it to couch or couch potato or two potatoes on a couch. Yeah. No. Oh, one little last bit of uh, info. Uh, let's not forget, we've got uh, our youth running camp here. Um, that's June 25th through the 28th. Uh, those camps are always a blast. We'll be out at Christian Brothers again. And, um, yeah, we're looking for a good group. Teach some kids how to... Uh, how to run properly. Perfect time uh, in their lives to uh, get the movements down. Much better time. Yeah, way better. Than when you're older. If you've ever learned, tried to learn something as an adult. Yeah. All right. If you got questions, yeah, holler us on that. All right, guys, we appreciate you hanging out, watching, listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Adios. Peace.